You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Casey McCord, boys basketball coach at Marshfield High School. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. A little break from uh, registration down here on Tuesday. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, coach, I want to start by giving you an opportunity to introduce yourself to those coaches and listeners that maybe aren't familiar with you. Uh, give us a little bit about your, your basketball background, how you got into coaching, and how you ended up as the head boys basketball coach at Marshall High School? Um, so yeah, I uh, I played basketball in high school uh, here at Marshfield, and uh, then I, I played one one year at Southwestern Oregon Community College, and um, finished up uh, in college uh, just as a student, and and got my elementary education. Um, teaching license and uh, ended up teaching over at North Bend Middle School and, and coaching at the junior high level and coaching high school golf for uh, 11 years over there and um, took a position as the assistant principal here at Marshfield in the 2019-2020 school year and the following year the basketball position opened up and I applied for it and got it and so that's how I ended up here. Awesome and so uh is Marshfield your first head coaching position then? Yeah, for basketball it is. Yeah, very cool. Right, yeah, other than golf that you mentioned yeah. Cool. So uh, in your first season, you got to experience probably the most unusual basketball season uh, in the history of basketball seasons. So um, what was that like in your first season, uh, shortened season, lots of games, not a lot of practice time? Uh, what was that experience like for you? Well, it was definitely uh, fast and fast and furious. I mean, we were playing three, sometimes four games a week. Uh, it definitely felt like uh, we, we didn't get a, a lot of practice time. Many of our kids went from um, at the 4A classification, there was a, a culminating week tournament for every season, and a lot of our kids played football. And so we ended up having some of our kids for one practice before the first game. Um, and... Uh, and so, so that was challenging, um, but but it was a lot of fun, a lot of games, and uh, and I think that uh, I think the kids were, were were really tired by the end. At our level at 4A, most of our kids are playing multiple sports, and with basketball being the last of the seasons this year, they were uh, they were coming off of uh, a long, a short period of time with a lot jammed into it. As you kind of prepare for this next season, uh, which is going back to hopefully somewhat normal, uh, just with the timeline at least, uh, how are you kind of approaching this year maybe a little differently than you did coming into your first season with a shortened season last year? Well, the, the thing that was unique about going into the first year where I was fortunate enough to be uh, the coach of the program and be a part of the part of the uh, guy, group of guys. Um, I don't. I didn't get hired until October, and at that point, I, I thought, "Oh well, we're going to have a season in December because that, or maybe it was January, but we were going to be the first season." Um, 
So I, I didn't get a chance to be a part of summer basketball or, or anything like that leading into the year, which nobody did because of COVID. But, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, we, we've been having, um, you know, open gyms and I, now that, uh, we know who the coaching staff is, who the guys are that, that play, um, got a hold of the eighth graders that are incoming ninth graders and I've, I've tried to incorporate everybody into our, um, our program as much as we can and have an opportunity, I guess, to, know that I'm the coach and know who the coaching staff is so that, that we really can prepare leading into it more so than we could last year. Yeah. So last year, uh, not only was it your first year, uh, but it ended probably as good as the first year could, <laughs> right? So uh, you guys ended up winning the culminating week tournament um, that you got to host as well, uh, had a lot of success. I'm curious, what do you attribute to having so much success in year one? Well, first and foremost, the players. Um, We have a a group of players who have been pretty committed to basketball since they were in elementary school. And then um, our coaching staff, in particular our assistant coaches, uh, have been with that group of kids for a long time and they've worked, you know, skills and drills and things, uh, fundamentals since they were, some of them, kindergartners. And the other, a lot of other ones got picked up at third grade. And um, and so just a, a really great group of um, players and uh, and the coaching staff uh, that being a small, from a small town, some of some of the coaching staff, Coach A, Coach Swiss, uh, they, they've been with these guys for a long time and then added some great pieces with um, Coach Salter, our JV coach, Coach Peters, our freshman coach, and then Coach Zender, who uh, is one of our volunteer coaches and, and helps with the varsity. And just, uh, I, I just first, like I said, first and foremost, the players and then, and then a great coaching staff. So taking last year's success, how do you build off of that, right? You come in, you're one as head coach. Uh, you've got a great support staff, great players. You win the culminating week tournament. How do you use that momentum as you go forward to turn that into hopefully consistent success? Well, I mean, I think that that's one thing is that we had, we had a lot, for a short season that was four or five weeks long, we had a lot of ups and downs last year where we, I think where, you know, we kind of expected to be a, a really tough team and uh, be one of the top teams in the 4A classification. We ran into Junction City in our league who beat us um, and beat us pretty handily. And Coach Rothenberger does a great job with them. And then towards the end of the year, we really came together. And um, But like we talked about with Greg Mulkey, who deserves a lot of credit for putting the culminating week together at the 4A classification for every sport, not just not just basketball. You know, we had an opportunity to to say like this is truly a, a state championship tournament because everybody understood the qualification criteria, everybody wanted to be in it, and and we were fortunate to qualify for it. Um, but I think that you have to be a little bit careful uh, with winning that. And I mean, it was a great environment that we would love to do it again, but it's going to be a lot of hard work to get there. Um, We've got, uh, we built a pretty positive culture and hope to continue to, to build on that next year through getting together outside of basketball. I work at the school, uh, with the kids and so I'm connected with 
all of our programs at the high school, the JV2, the JV, and the varsity in terms of being able to see the kids other places than just in the gym around the school. And I think that's critical as much as possible to have the coaches work in the, in the building or in the school system. Um, but uh, we want our guys, we want our, uh, we want our players to be, to be good guys and I, first and foremost. And I think that that's, I think that we have that. And then, and second, we, we are, we're asking that our kids continue to have a basketball in their hands and, and are, if they're not able to come to our team workouts, that they're, they're working on their game throughout the year in the off season. You brought up culture, Coach, which is great. It leads into my next question. I think it's something that is important wherever you are, right? And as coaches, uh, as especially as high school coaches, we try to develop great cultures for our players. How do you define culture within your program, and how do you develop that culture within your players? Well, you know, I think it's easy to say, like, oh, we want we want to have a positive culture, but you know, what does that mean? And I think it's something that whether you're a coach or or a teacher or an educator, that um, you, you learn more and more every day. For for us, um, we want to be an inclusive team that that anybody feels comfortable walking into, and um, it's. Interesting because some of these things I haven't gotten to experience over a, a more traditional course of a, of a basketball season. But um, mm-hmm. we want all our kids to be held to the same standard, and we have some non-negotiables um, with the kids that this is the way this is the way that it is. But I also understand that uh, as things change over time. Um, in order for, I remember when I was doing my master's program, I read an article on Coach K um, about developing the, developing a positive culture and how he stayed so successful over all of the years. And one thing he talked about were like the core values of the program and the non-negotiables and the things that couldn't change, you know, from generation to generation. But as society changed, some of the things within the program he had to change in order to survive. But they, he he wasn't willing to give up on some of his core. Uh, core values, um, and um, I think that communication from coaches to player, players to coaches, um, is really, really critical in developing a positive culture, and um, for everybody to, to know their role and feel valued, and I think that that's something that we did a good job of last year. I think all of the coaches and players felt like they were a critical piece of, of the team. How do you, you know, you talk about communication, the importance that played. Is that something that you have that's scheduled? You know, are you like, hey, I'm going to meet with every player for this amount of time every week or every other week? Uh, is, it, is it more structured that way or is it unstructured and, and kind of random and how and when you're having those conversations? So, um as far as the team goes, one thing that I found to be really important when I played basketball in college, I think that uh, uh, there were some times where guys in the teams made assumptions or on the team made assumptions about what was going on or why things were happening, and they just didn't know because there wasn't always that um, open line of communication, and it allowed some things to people to think things were happening that really weren't. I think they were dreaming things up in their in their mind. So, like, I really talked with. Um, each player at the beginning of the year kind of about um, 
what their role was, what their what what their um, playing time might look like, uh, and I tried to make myself available at any time. But I also um, I don't know what I would call it, but I talked to somebody. Uh, one of our assistant coaches suggested maybe that I would have um, I don't know like a leadership council type thing. Mm. Um, and we did a lot of practicing where we'd have our JV and our varsity together. And so I actually, um, it's not something I've ever talked about with the team, but there were three kids that I'd meet with on uh, a weekly basis um, and kind of talk about how things were going and things that that I thought that I really needed them, ways that I needed them to lead the rest of the guys. And if there was anything that, that uh, they thought that what was happening that was detrimental to kind of the climate within the team. And I think that worked really well. So that was intentional. We met on a weekly basis and went over things. Um, and it was helpful because it, I think it allowed me to kind of have a pulse of how the team was feeling about some things. And those guys were honest with me, and I was, and I was honest with them. Great. You talked a little bit, too, about your non-negotiables. Uh, if you're okay sharing, do you mind sharing what, what the non-negotiables are within your program? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I mean, one of our non-negotiables, which is a pretty easy one, was, is, uh, is being on time. I mean, it was an expectation that you were there on time and, and ready to go. Um, one thing that was really important to me was, um, uh, appropriate, appropriate language. Um, I, I think that, uh, it's easy. I mean, I think that um, none of us are perfect, and and I I don't I don't claim to be, but uh, but it's just uh, I found that um, well anyway, appropriate language is 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 really critical, and then just being a great teammate and being uplifting and helping people believe in themselves um, by always being encouraging, as opposed to I think we all want those coaches on the floor that that are able to um, help lead their team, but sometimes if they they take on the um, the role of always correcting people and doing it in kind of a a, a way that breaks people's confidence, I, I'm I'm not sure is, is real successful. So um, just being a positive, uplifting teammate. Yeah, how do you? Or I shouldn't say how. Better question is. Um, do you coach slash teach those non-negotiables within your players? And if so, how do you do that? I mean, some of them are just, um, like the language piece is something that's important to me. And and that one's pretty simple. I mean, we were by no means um, excellent at that, but, uh, but just, just constant correct um, corrections and then modeling it myself. I mean, I know a lot of these guys and I've known them for a long time. And, and, um, and uh, as far as, as being a good teammate, um, if we see something uh, that, if I see something where a kid is being really, really hard on somebody and it looks as though it's affecting their confidence or, um, I mean, I'll pull them aside and talk to them. If it's something that needs to be corrected in front of the team, I will. Um, and, uh, and, and being on time. I mean, that one is, that's not something that I actually dealt with in basketball because I coached at North Bend as a junior high coach. And typically if a kid's on time or late when they're 13 years old, it's because their parents got them there 
on late right. or on time. And at that time, we practiced that. Like when I coached at the junior high, we always practiced at 6 a.m., 6 to six mm. to 7.30, and then the kids would have 15 minutes to shower and get ready for school. School would start at 8. Um, at the high school level, I didn't come in with a lot about being on time. And some of our open gyms and things that we had early when we could, uh, that was something that Coach A, one of our assistants, was like, hey, we, we need to make sure that we're holding kids accountable to being on time, which, I mean, I'm the dean of students at our school, and so I, I would do attendance. And I just hadn't considered it because at the junior high level, the parents get them there. And uh, and so for that, there was some, I mean, we would we would tell the kids that there would be consequences if you couldn't get there on time, whether it was something in practice, whether it was playing time that was impacted. And w- once we kind of aligned or laid out exactly what, what those were, um, we, we didn't have, have an issue with that. But um, that was something we like to start practice on time altogether, and we can't do that if we don't have all the guys and we have a guy or two straggling in. Right. My follow-up question to something you said, Coach, and this is a tough question, so don't feel like you have to have the perfect answer. Um, but I think one of the hardest decisions we make as coaches is, is how to um, call out a, a behavior that we're trying to change, right? So you were talking about teammate, a teammate that's being um, overly negative towards towards a fellow teammate and determining whether that needed to be called out in front of the entire team versus maybe more of a called in where it's a personal conversation of, hey, you know, you're being too harsh. How do you know when to, to call out in front of everybody versus maybe call in where it's that one-on-one conversation? Well, uh, one, like, I, I guess I relate this back to when I was playing. Uh, while I, I thought that I was always a, a really great teammate, there was uh, – one teammate I had in particular that was one grade level younger than me um, at high school, and he was really he was he was really good. And uh, I corrected him all the time, all the time. Like, and, and pro- even though maybe it wasn't intentional, I always corrected him. And uh, I remember my mom being the one that was like, "Hey, you need to you need to like back off of him. Like, why you know why are you doing that? Nobody nobody else corrected me, but she's like, you're always correcting him. And I don't know if it was that." Uh, he was really good, and I, I was uh, I was threatened by him or what. But um, I guess it's just kind of in the moment. Uh, sometimes it just happens where I do it in front of everybody, or if if I know that maybe the person who's being corrected all the time needs it. Um, and then at other times, um, I guess I haven't necessarily experienced this, but. Uh, if you, I went to a basketball coaching clinic years ago that said that if you if you want your team to take you seriously, you know when your best player is doing something that you've said that you're not going to allow, if you, you better you better make sure that you're ready to call them out in front of everybody, because they'll if, if you let some guys get away with it and other guys not. But I don't really have I guess a rhyme or reason of why I would call some out and call some in. I mean, it would just be just kind of like at school, you know, meeting kids where they are, what I think is going to be the best for each individual situation. Right. For sure. Um, this, you know, this might be uh, somewhat difficult. My next question has to do with, with game prep and, and prepping your team for upcoming opponents. 
Uh, and then your first year, that this was probably a lot harder, right, with the amount of games you played in a week. Uh, but I'm curious what, what your typical game prep looked like in preparing for an upcoming team. You know, how much time do you spend on your team? How much time did you spend preparing for the other team's players and actions, et cetera? Well, I think we try to focus on ourselves as much as we can. Um, I think that that is the, the, the most critical component to being successful is making sure that you're the best that you can be. But I, I also think that uh, it's you're uh, remiss to not, not prepare for your opponents. And um, this is where, um, as the head coach of the program, I really benefited from having Coach A, who also teaches on staff here at Marshfield, who uh, – Loved watching game film, and um, he would actually come up with a scouting report and put it together before all of our games, and uh, he did those, and it would talk about player strengths for the other team, and we would we would go over those um, with the players, whether it was the day before the game, sometimes the day of the game, and then later on as we got into the playoffs and we made the final eight, um, they, were, they were maybe a little bit more in-depth, and we actually – spent some time watching film and looking at tendencies and things that the other team um, the other team had. So we definitely spent um, spent some time preparing for our opponents and uh, and our our assistant coach, Coach A, deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, typically in practice we would we would spend our time working on, on ourselves. But we did spend some time in film study and then reviewing the uh, scouting report for the next game. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll return with more from Coach McCord right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Coaches, as you prepare for the upcoming season, don't forget to renew your OBCA membership. Membership includes access to exclusive resources from high school coaches across the country, as well as access to Lucio Sports Technology the same technology used by NBA franchises. Membership starts at just $15. Don't delay. Renew your OBCA membership today. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Marshfield Boys Basketball Coach Casey McCord. Uh, Coach, if, if I were to come observe a practice, uh, what, what would I see? What would I hear? What would I feel? What would that, what would that look like? Well, the first thing you see is a bunch of guys with, a, with a purple practice jersey on and, uh, they'd, they'd be there on time. We start our, we start our warm up. Like if practice starts at four o'clock, we start our warm up at four o'clock. Uh, and it is a player led warm up, um, where, uh, we do the same thing every day. Uh, we go through some ball handling that's led by, um, led typically by, um, Coach A. And, uh, and then we split up into groups, um, where we can get more reps. Um, what you would hear is hopefully a lot of communication. Earlier we talked about non-negotiables. One of our non-negotiables is being a, being a great communicator. And we want that on the defensive end of the floor in particular. Um, one, we want to be loud so that we know and we're talking to each other and it's reminding us to, whether it's getting to help side defense or um, or uh, having gap integrity or, or whatever it may be, we have our kids talking. And two, I, I think it's pretty obnoxious to the offense uh, to have mm-hmm. the defense talking all the time. 
Um, and so it would be loud. Uh, players would be leading the way. And um, <clears throat> on a great day, I think you'd be able to feel the energy in the gym. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a fun place to be. You talked about starting with some ball handling and stuff. I'm curious, you know, maybe proportionally, how much time do you spend on kind of player development, fundamental stuff, uh, or even individual skill stuff versus team stuff in a typical practice? I would say this year we probably spent more time on um, team stuff than maybe we might uh in, in a in a longer season because things were going so quick. Um, but uh, we definitely start out with individual work each day, and then uh, oftentimes we'll divide up our uh, our guards on one side and our bigs on the other side. But it's not just you know we don't just say hey tall guys go down there and work in the post and and guards go over there. Like we'll send our bigs with the guards and our guards with our guards down to do post work. Um, so we definitely start out each day with. Um, half an hour or so of individual fundamental skill work, and then and then this year we were just playing so many games that we tried not to beat our bodies up and and have really really long practices. And so from there it was, you know, the the rest of practice would oftentimes be more team oriented. Do you use any sort of um, stats or analytics to help? inform your team of decisions or maybe determine how well you played in a in a game or or even in practice well we didn't use any um analytics in practice we we subscribe to huddle and and have huddle assist and and that's a super cool program that is uh seems like it's able to inform a coach uh about a lot of things i i like looking at uh I like looking at the plus minus and assist to turnovers and uh and you know was always surprised like where if somebody would kind of be sneaky and they'd be in there and their plus minus would be a lot uh a lot higher or lower than I expected it to be um so we do we do use huddle um relatively extensively I wasn't actually planning on purchasing it do you use huddle with West Albany We do yep Yep, so I wasn't. I wasn't planning on. You do use assist. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I wasn't planning on getting it this year because it was so expensive. But then I, um, when I contacted them, they were like, "Well, it's a year subscription, and so if you buy it now, you'll have it for the spring season, and it'll run all the way through basketball season next year." And so I did end up buying it, and and it was totally worth it. And uh, and we did not use it in practice. Uh, though they did tell us we could upload practice and uh, if we had scrimmages and things, and they would they would do the stats on that, but I didn't do any of that. Yeah. Is there any stats you keep in games to kind of see how you're performing, whether at quarters or half or anything like that? Yeah, uh, Coach Salter, who was our JV coach, and that was one thing that um, that uh, Coach A helped me with was try to give each coach a pretty specific role on the bench, especially our sub-varsity coaches uh, keeping some stats. And so the one that we really focused on was rebounding, um, you know, because I, I feel like rebounding is a toughness thing, and, and we'd like to be the toughest team on the court out of the two every every night. Um, and so we would always uh, – rebounding was a – 
conversation we had at half every single time. And the really awesome thing was several times we were getting beat on the board in the first half and came out and just dominated in the second half. And I think that having that um, that information in their mind at halftime was, was super helpful, not only to the players, but to the coaching staff um, as well. Yeah. Travel coach in your league can be can be a little difficult. Uh, you guys uh, are in a league with a lot of Valley schools, so Eugene area, outline area schools, uh, but you also have, I think, Sayusla in your league as well, right, and Newport. So you've got some coast schools, you've got some, some Valley schools. Uh, I'm curious, how do you help prepare kids for, for all the travel that you do, and is there anything that you do in particular to, to utilize that, that travel time with your team? Well, we don't we, we don't have Newport, so we have we do have though all okay. of our all of the teams we play are in the right in the Eugene area, um, Cottage Grove, Elmira, uh, Junction City, and then Slaw is is the farthest, and I'm I'm missing somebody, uh, Merritt, um, and so they're all up there in the Eugene area. Here's the thing about living in Coos Bay, um, it's different now that there's online shopping, but if you live in Coos Bay, when I was a kid. You better be ready to drive to Eugene to buy yourself a pair of basketball shoes or or go shopping for school or whatever it may be. So living here, you're kind of two hours from everything. So our kids are are used to traveling. Um, I mean, the Midwest. They Marshall was part of the Midwestern League for years, and um, now that we're part of the the Sky M, it's, it's pretty similar travel. Um, we really this year, I think enjoyed each other on road trips and um we had to get there pretty early um and we would we would watch the JV game we would make sure or the girls game if they were before us and we would make sure to go in in plenty of time and and prepare for the game and have time to get to get focus and um but I didn't have um a specific um travel uh plan um we we did send out a I sent out a travel itinerary before we would leave so kids and families would know what's going on. They would know if we were planning to stop to eat, they would know if we were planning to stop on the way up. Um if we had time, sometimes we'd stop halfway and stretch our legs. Um you know, at the end of the year we played uh we played Gladstone in the round of eight um of the state tournament, uh, and we had to play them at a neutral site and uh on that particular game, we left plenty early. We had a meal on the way. We had a shoot around. We really made sure that we weren't, uh, you know, stiff and tight from the travel. But we're, we're pretty used to it, traveling from Coos Bay, two hours to everything. You know, coaches talk sometimes about athletes and, and maybe how they've changed or, or not changed. It's kind of a matter of opinion. But uh, one of the things coaches talk about is kids having a hard time receiving coaching. You know, not understanding the difference between coaching and, and criticism. How do you uh, kind of hold kids to, to that standard that you want them to be out without alienating them um, and making them feel like you're criticizing them? Well, um, my personal belief is that uh, is that kids people, humans, they, they really appreciate boundaries and knowing what the limits are and, and having some level of consistency and knowing what to expect. And 
and we are, um, you know, there are times when we're really hard on the kids within our program, but, uh, but we also praise them all the time when they, when they do good things. And one thing that's really important to me as a person, and, and, uh, we told the kids this is that, like, we are going to coach you. And there are going to be times where we are, we are being critical of, of things that, that you do. Um, because we work on them and you make a mistake and we want to, we, we want to point it out in a, in a way that we are striving for improvement, striving to, um, to correct it, whatever it may be. But I, I don't mind, I don't mind as a coach, I guess, being coached by a kid, if that's a way to say it. Like, if there's something that's going on and the kid needs to communicate with me and, um, like, I want them to do that and, uh, we had, team meetings throughout the year and talked about that and our, our kids have have worked with coaches for a long time that uh, coach pretty hard and um, they know that the coaches love them and um, and we try to definitely you know give four or five positives to every time that we're we're getting coaching or I don't know criticizing is not the right word but correcting things where kids have an opportunity to feel like they might be getting criticized when when we're coaching them. What are some things you do, you know, as, as a head coach now, and you obviously you only had one year, but you're going into year two. I'm sure you've thought about this. You know, one of the difficult things to do as the head coach of a program is you're not just the coach of the varsity team. You're also the head coach for the JV team and the freshman team and, and your youth levels. But what are some things that you do, uh, to kind of be able to coach all kids within your program and kind of split your time accordingly? That was definitely a challenge for me, um, especially in this uh, shortened season. Um, it's it's uh, one thing that we did to make – to communicate with our coaches was one of our assistant coaches. Um, he, he actually created it, but he created it. I mean, we were using Google Classroom so much for everything that we created a Google Classroom for our basketball program that had a lot of our offensive sets and defensive philosophies and, and things in it. And all the coaches and players had access to that. Um, we, our varsity team got, gets a little more gear than the JV and the freshman team. Um, they got travel gear and backpacks, but um, as we were doing that, I, I made sure that we got things for the entire program because I, I was just thinking to myself, initially, we weren't planning on getting something for the JV2, and it was like, oh, man, like that stinks, like the day when everybody's getting something, whether it's a travel gear, shooting shirts, and and like the, the JV2 gets, you know, some hand-me-down jerseys, and so mm-hmm. made sure to... Um, to do that, um, one thing that I have seen be really successful, um, you know, in the more populous areas, I don't know what junior high athletics are like here uh, on, on the coast. We're fortunate to have a junior high league, and um, at, at North Bend, some of the high school coaches would invite the junior high kids in to, to watch practice, and so the teams would come over and watch. Um, and then one thing that I thought was really important this year was I asked that our varsity players would go and watch our JV games and our JV2 games because the JV2 games are typically in another gym. And so when the when the varsity boys showed up, I know the JV2 kids were excited about that. A couple of times it was frustrating because we'd be on the road and because of because of COVID, we they wouldn't let our kids in. 
Um, right, right. And so it's like, you know, and like on one of those times we had ridden the bus up there together. Like we had to ride, all our teams had to ride together, which was, you know, and then we couldn't go in and watch the game. So that was, but, but just um, making sure that there was, there's kind of everybody within the program knows each other. And then when we had our skill-based open gyms in the fall, instead of allowing the kids to kind of um, get together with the, their grade levels and their groups of friends, what we did was we put like one of our varsity guys at each basket and then we put maybe there'd be some J- a JV guy, a JV2 guy. And so um, the kids got to know each other from freshman to senior really well. And then as far as the youth program goes, that's something that we can continue to improve. Um, we do have some uh, some youth teams that, that we work with, but uh, since I've been the coach, you know, we haven't been able to have any camps or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Where we, I know previous coaches, um, Coach Miles and Coach Ainsworth both um, had uh, little kid camps after school throughout the year where they could be bussed in and, and the high school kids would work with the youth, the youth teams. Um, and so that's something that we're still working out and we don't necessarily, I don't have a, a vision for at this point of exactly how that'll look with with the youth programs. Right. I, I want to ask you just about about parents and having them part of your program. You know, you dealt with parents, obviously, as a coach and at junior high level and, and maybe a little bit last year, but also as someone who is an administrator in your district, you probably deal with parents quite often. Uh, I'm curious if there's, you know, parents can, can sometimes be a headache for coaches and, and administrators alike. Uh, do you have any advice or any any things that have worked for you in dealing and handling parents? One thing in North Bend that um, I think was great advice uh, was we we always have a parent meeting before the year, and I think that's pretty standard that um, that you have a parent meeting, and some people do it with some a real really intentionally with certain uh, goals in mind and other people just kind of do it, I think, just just to do it. Um, the biggest thing that I found to be successful um, for me throughout all the sports that I've coached at all of the different levels is to – I always address playing time with parents because that oftentimes seems to be the, the, the big conversation that people want to have. And I, I typically will um, tell, tell um, parents that, I'm not going to discuss playing time with parents. Um, if if your your player, your child wants to know um, what it is, why they why they play more or less than somebody else, I'm I'm willing to have a conversation about what it is they can do to potentially earn themselves more playing time. Um, and I have that conversation really, really directly, and I'm really clear about it at our parent meeting. And I that seems to be. Um, pretty successful for us. I The gym is open during practice, so parents can come in if they want to. Um, I don't have them, you know, we have a gym where if they came into the main gym, they could sit up in the top bleachers. They're not going to be down on the floor. I don't, we don't want them on the floor. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I communicate regularly with, with families in that, that initial parent meeting and I did not address playing time. So, I mean, back to when I coached, I coached eighth grade football, and I did not address playing time the first year that I coached. And these guys were coming out of a youth organization where everyone played equally. And in eighth grade, we were, we were playing to win. I was trying to play everybody, but we had a, a A team and a B team or a varsity and a JV, however you want to call it. And so 
not everybody played the same amount, and I didn't address parent me- uh, playing time at that parent meeting, and I, I, I've never forgotten to address that again ever since that year. Probably smart. Live and learn, right? Yeah. Live and learn. Yeah. I'm curious, before we take another break, Coach, you know, uh, as coaches, you know, you you finish your first year as head coach, you, you learn a ton, and, and I'm just curious, uh, what's one thing, your maybe your your main takeaway from year one as the, the head varsity coach at Marshfield? My main takeaway is that um, coaching basketball was a was a big job. It was uh, it was there's a, there's a lot of moving pieces, and when you've got 30 kids uh, playing um, and traveling home from games and people giving you notes, you know, to ride with different people and and figuring all of that out was at times overwhelming. And and organization is key, not only uh, X's and O's, but uh, the outside pieces and um being fortunate to have such a great coaching staff was such a benefit to me and that was a big key in me really wanting to take this job on um because I knew that there was such a great group of guys that that I didn't have to do everything and we could rely on each other's strengths and and things would go really well and so uh, that that was my biggest my biggest takeaway was um I'd never been a, a high school head basketball coach and uh, there there are a there are a lot of moving pieces. Yes, there are. <laughs> All right. We're going to take another break. Uh, when we return, Coach McCord will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Coaches, save the date. The 2021 OACA OBCA Nike Basketball Coach of the Year Clinic will be held Friday, October 8th at Liberty High School. Also, plan to join us for the second annual OBCA Golf Tournament Saturday, October 9th at the OGA Golf Course in Woodburn. You can find more information at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Casey McCord. He's the basketball coach at Marshfield High School. Uh, coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. So I'm going to put 35 seconds on a timer, and I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions that should have one to two-word answers. Uh, and we're going to see how many questions we can get through in 35 seconds. How does that sound? That sounds good. All righty. Let me get the timer set here. 35 seconds on the clock. We are starting now. Do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? I'm fine with it. Should it be implemented at the sub-varsity levels? Uh, yes, if they do at the varsity. If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? Yes. What's your favorite way to guard on-ball screens? Switch. You think the three-point line should be moved back in high school? No. What's your favorite sports movie? Um, Tin Cup. How do you celebrate after a big win? Um, together in the locker room with a big screen. 
What's one word officials would use to describe you? Understanding. Time. There we go. Good work, Coach. That was a great possession by you. Nice job. Thank you. Nice job. Um, Coach, I, I want to give you a chance to maybe elaborate on your on your shot clock answer. As, as you might be aware, um, NFHS recently made the announcement that it's up to the states to choose whether or not they'd like to implement a shot clock. Uh, Oregon doesn't have it, but might institute it. Uh, you had said you were fine with it, quote unquote. Uh, can you elaborate on on that answer? I guess I, I think that uh, let's say with the team that we have right now, like we've got um, we've got shooters kind of all over the place. We've got um, our point guard Mason Ainsworth is uh, I think probably one of the best players at all levels in the state of Oregon. Um, we've got We've got bigs that can score inside, outside. We've got, I mean, so right now the shot clock, we'd be, we'd be, it'd be great. We would have no problem with it. Um, there's probably going to be other years where we maybe want to be able to grind out some longer possessions. Um, but I think that anybody's going to be like that. Your talent's going to go up and down. I mean, the mark of a really awesome program is somebody who has that youth program that's always feeding players to the high school level. Um, I personally like watching basketball with shot clocks better than I do with with no shot clock. Um, I also know logistically it's going to be an expensive addition to all of our gyms across the state when and if we do decide to add it. That's the AD's problem, Coach. So we don't have to worry. No, I'm just kidding. How about you? What do you what what you you want to add the shot clock? Uh, I am personally in in favor. Yeah. Um, yeah. For a lot of the same reasons you talked about, I think it just makes for a more exciting game, um, which I I think is better. And I think you know the game will continue to evolve as as the years go on, and that's one of the ways it 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 will evolve. Um, and I also think if you did a study of how long it takes people to get a shot up, a majority of possessions in high school basketball are less than thirty five seconds already. Yeah, um, for sure. No, so, no, no question. Yeah, so I, I think it, I don't think it would have a huge impact on the game. I think where it would benefit the game are those end of quarter, end of game situations. Right? So now, as a coach too, you get to decide, hey, are we going to go two for one here? Um, are we, you know, do, you know, do we have to foul or can we just get a stop and make a play on the other end? Right? Which I think makes the game more exciting and, and more fun for the players and coaches. Selfish. Well, and when I went when when I played basketball at SWAC, um, I believe California might have had like a forty-five second shot clock for a long time. Is that right? Like, and mm. it's, it's less it's less now. But when I was in school, some of the kids that came up and played with us had played with the shot clock. So our coach started talking to us about two for one, and a bunch of us mm-hmm. that didn't play with the shot clock really didn't know what he was talking about. And right. so, uh, I mean. I would have I would have liked to have not felt uh, stupid in that moment when our coach told us to go for a two for one. Right. Yeah. And that's the that's the other argument too, right? Is the kids that we do send to play at the next level, they're are, they're playing with enough there. So are we doing those kids a disservice by not playing with it at the high school level? So. Um. What's the strangest thing? I mean, you have to coach middle school basketball, so I'm sure you've seen some strange things in the basketball. What? in a basketball gym. What's the strangest thing you've seen in a basketball gym? 
Oh, strangest or most unfortunate. I was thinking about this one. There's, <laughs> there's, there's two things that come to my mind. I mean, most memorable kind of strange thing that happened when I was coaching was, uh, was that, um, we were playing in a, I was coaching a, a seventh and eighth grade combined B team basketball team. Like my second year, I was maybe 24 years old and, uh, I it was right at the end of the game, like 15 seconds left, and we were down by two. And um, our our kid, no, there was less than 15 seconds. There were like seven seconds because we didn't have any timeouts. So I told the kids like, hey, if they missed the, we had to foul. If they missed the free throw, you just got to go. And we got the rebound, passed it to our point guard at the opposite baseline. He just started walking up with him with it, and I screamed. I started screaming, go, go, go! And he just threw the ball full court, banked it in. And the other coach called timeout. There was still like four seconds left. So he was down by one. Now it's four seconds left, and we hit a full court shot to win the game. So that was that was pretty strange and and pretty fun. And there was a lot of people in the gym because a couple of the better teams in our area were waiting. And I think it was a moment that that kid will never forget. The other strange totally. thing I played uh, I played for the um, a team called the Oregon Ice, a BCI team, when I was maybe I don't know 15 or so, and. We had a kid on our team who would throw up when he was nervous, and it kept yeah. happening like every game. And so that was uh, that was that was probably the strangest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> every game, probably, every game, like, like yeah. He was in our first game. He ran off the court to a garbage can that left the ball in, so it was two points for the other team <laughs> in the backcourt. <laughs> oh, that'd be a fun thing to coach, right? Hey, yeah. If you're gonna go throw up, just Turn the ball over so we can at least set up our defense while you uh, while you go out of bounds and throw it. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Uh, you talked a little bit about you know kind of the leadership council uh, you did this past year and, and maybe we'll do as you move forward. How do you go about selecting either who's on the leadership council or maybe more traditionally who your team captains are? So. Uh... I think this year for the leadership council, I, we had one senior who played all the time. Everybody else, and we have the whole team other than one kid coming back. Um, we lost two seniors. One of our seniors wasn't in the plane rotation. He was really important to our team uh, as, as a team member. Another one was a starter. But um, so as, as far as the leadership council went, I was I was definitely intentional in selecting kids that I thought could be kind of a good uh, liaison for the coaching staff within the within the team. But that wasn't something that was announced to the team. I don't think the kids even knew about it. I don't think the kids told them. I did not select team captains last year. Um, I had talked to our local officials association, and they had said that, you know, they talked to any player that talks to them respectfully, and so they didn't have to be a captain to talk to the referees here. And so I didn't select team captains last year. I'm undecided on this point at this point about what I'll do this year, so I don't have an answer for the team captain piece. Yeah. So within your leadership council, was there only role slash responsibility to just meet with you weekly, or did you give them other roles like taking care of the balls or um, water bottles, or did you did you give them anything like that, or was it just left up to the team? Well, I just asked that. I, I mean, I have a young family at home with three kids, and, and I didn't want to spend uh, all my time chasing around balls and water bottles and things like that after after practices and games. And so I asked that uh, the entire team uh, took part in that, and so we would all clean up each day. 
and then for water bottles and games, uh, I got pretty good, pretty good, uh, mom and dad and, uh, they would always take care of the water bottles for games. And so now it was pretty much just meeting with me weekly for the leadership council and then, and then helping to implement, um, things within the team when asked. Do you have a favorite team bonding or, uh, you know, group activity that you do with your teams? Well, uh, I don't have anything specifically that I plan to do every single year. Uh, there, there was uh, a staff member here at the school that was trying to get us to go up to a camp together or something. We, we didn't have our traditional summer basketball season, but last year we did We did go on a trip to Idaho as a team, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. We, we, we went there. We, we, we did some basketball stuff, but... But mostly we spent time together at the pool. You know, we ate together. We uh, hit golf balls into the golf simulator and Dick's Sporting Goods together, and everybody laughed because <laughs> you know, I mean, just just getting to kind of be silly and goofy together, and uh, and spend a lot of time in the car talking and learning more about each other. Um, and that was for me as a new coach. That was really impactful for me to get to know the kids in a different way. And and um. So we don't have any uh, thing that we've done year in and year out as this is the first year that this, this group's been together. Right. Did you do anything, uh, you know, I was I would think junior high basketball is probably a little different, uh, but did you do anything at the junior high level with those kids that, that you think you might implement at the high school level as well? Um, one thing that, that uh, the program did in North Bend that I didn't specifically do that I thought was really successful was um, they would do, uh, you know, like the NBA Skills Challenge? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The girls coach would do that every year, and he was he coached, he was the head girls coach for the junior high, and I was the head boys coach. So, I mean, all that means at the junior high is that there's four teams, but you're going to be responsible for – Making sure all the jerseys are ready and practice times and everything is set up. But um, he uh, he would do that like NBA Skills Challenge and set it up, and the girls loved it. I mean, they they talked about that. They'd come back for years to come, and so that that's something that uh, I think would be really fun to do at the high school level would be to set up some kind of like a skills obstacle course and time the kids and um, and, and do something there with that. At the end of our when I was first hired as the coach well even before i was hired actually we we, there was a vacancy and like all the other sports were having workouts but boys basketball wasn't and that's kind of how i became interested was i said like i'll open the gym like i'll open the gym Mm -hmm. and we would always end practice with some kind of fun competition but make it competitive and uh the kids ate it up like they were they were asking for it at times this year during practice when i think you know i was ready to go home it was like, hey, can we, right. can we play that? Can we play that half court game? Can we play that three point game? And um, and so that was something that was was pretty fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite drill that you do with your players? Well, for this year, uh, we uh, we implemented um, some dribble drive motion. Um, Specific. Uh, I mean, we ran a, a variation of dribble drive motion, and so you know some of the blood drills and getting downhill. And um, for me, um, my favorite drill as a player and as a coach 
just are things where it, it's really, really competitive, whether it's, um, whether it's actual basketball with offensive de- and defense and trying to score or, uh, you know, um, my absolute favorite drill is probably a drill where we're a blockout drill. Like I just, mm. I, that always makes me, I always get really excited and I like to see, uh, who's willing to really get dirty, uh, in practice for, you know, to get that last rebound or uh, if we're having a race to five, whatever it may be, like you can really see who, who, who's really willing to want to get on the floor and put their body on somebody. And so I'd say, um, we do a, we do a box out drill that, uh, really kind of, uh, lights my fire. I like it. I like it. Well, Coach, I think that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to share the game with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're we're uh, we're excited uh, for the upcoming season. Like I said, we got a, we got a lot of guys coming back, um, and uh, we've got we got great athletes and great kids here um, in in Coos Bay. Uh, we've got uh, we've got four uh, Mason, Pierce, Dominic, Monty coming back, and uh, all of our kids in the rotation um, are coming back this this next year too. So. Um, Maddox and Ben and Mason Pedersen and Canyon and so uh, we're we're really excited. So if you have a chance to catch a Marshfield game, we'd love to see you. Um, and uh, thank you for having us on, Coach. And uh, this is it. I actually have listened to the podcast one time, so now I'll listen to it uh, a few more. Awesome. I'd love to hear that. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach McCord, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, go to Mutt. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.